And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, band of 12 plus 6 here. Fast PP. Top rookie, I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum. Fournier. Brown, we off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Anything is Potable! Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we're coming to you Friday morning after the Celtics take down the Phoenix Suns in a close, kind of weird, ugly game, which I think they led for... Uh, the entirety of the game never really they had an answer for every single one of the Suns runs and I think the major key to the game uh, was Kemba Walker scoring 30 points Uh, in a night where Jason Tatum just didn't really have it uh, three of 17 Kemba Walker scoring especially in the first quarter uh, was impressive and it's good to see it's exciting to see if you were a Celtics fan Second time this season, he's got over 30 points. Uh, but it was just huge for the Celtics because they've been a team that's really struggled to score the basketball when uh, Jason Tatum doesn't have it going. And to see another guy step up and kind of score with with the ease that Kemba did in the uh, first quarter, I think is a good sign moving forward. Yeah, I thought the Suns played like a very tired team. They were on the second night of a back-to-back. Oh, yeah. And Jay, Jay Crowder wasn't playing for them. We all know Jay Crowder is, is a big piece of teams. He's got a good way about him, too. And so they didn't have that. <laughs> He's got a good way about him. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought, like you said, Kemba's being a scorer and showing that he can still be a scorer over the last couple games that he's played, I think, is just very important. We've talked about it a number of times. His role has changed. His usage rate has gone down. He's becoming more of a facilitator, but there will be times when the Celtics are going to need him to just go get his offense. And, and he did, you know, he did it against golden state. He did it. He had 26 points in that game, which was at that point, the most he had scored since February 26th. 
He hit the huge three over Andrew Wiggins in that game after trying to get the ball to Jason Tatum. And then he comes back and follows it up with a 32-point performance, which tied his season high. And and that was against Phoenix, a great team that has won a whole lot of games lately. So Kemba showing he can still get there. And, and more importantly, probably just making three-point shots in general is is really important his three-point shooting has been probably the most under discussed point from the celtics this whole season like his he's at the levels he was before he overhauled his three-point shot like he felt the urge to overhaul his three-point shot because he was shooting like he has been the last couple of months so he needs to figure out how to put the ball in the basket again, and he's he's done it over the last couple of games. The Celtics are going to need that. Maybe not like the 26 points, the 32 points all the time, but there will be games in the playoffs when Jalen is off and Tatum is being, you know, teams are selling out to stop him, and, and the Celtics are going to need Kemba to go get buckets. Yeah, I think especially that three-point shot coming off of a – like a pick and roll and just pulling up from three if the defense is in a drop coverage. It's just like that opens up so many things if Kemba is able to hit that shot consistently. And you're right, his three-point percentage is way down this year, but it's kind of going back up in the last, I think, five or six games go. Obviously, you're going to have a, a small sample size. I think those those pull-up threes, and then I think he had another uh, just catch-and-shoot three in the corner to start off early in the quarter – his scoring is going to be just like if he's able to pull up and like knock down those threes, especially in the moments when Tatum is not in the game and they can get some kind of just easier scoring. I think it's going to be super important. We saw in the first half, like it was a kind of a game of crazy runs where the Celtics went out to a big lead and the Suns went on a run. And it pretty much directly coincided with Tatum coming in and out of the game. But then at the end of the second quarter, Kemba just kind of dominated the sequence with. I think it mostly started with him like a, a pull up three, and then it kind of he was doing a. I thought the Celtics did a pretty good job, especially Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker last night, just drive and kick, drive and kick, and then Kemba was able to sometimes get to the rim. Uh, he found Neesmith in the corner. I just think him knocking down that first three and making the defense step up a little bit just opens up so much more for him. And uh, like that, they were Celtics were able to kind of build a lead with Tatum on the bench at the end of the second quarter, which is going to be. Uh, pretty huge for them just in any point, like anytime that happens. Yeah. And, you know, making threes for Kemba, it just changes the geography. It changes how much attention teams have to send him. It it changes how easily he can get to the basket. It opens things up for other guys. And he's been effective. Like he has clearly been a very important part of the Celtics offense, even while he's gone through his shooting issues. And you look at the true shooting percentage, he's right around Jeff Teague's true shooting percentage for the season. Like it is, it has not been an efficient season from Kemba. And part of that was just when he first came back, he wasn't right. And clearly wasn't very right. Um, but the last couple of months, it's been similar struggles as far as efficiency goes. And so I really do think it's it's extremely important over the last 
month or so of the season for him to start putting the ball in the basket and start feeling comfortable about himself before the Celtics do reach the playoffs. Because, like, I don't think teams will not guard Kemba Walker because he's Kemba Walker and he's been a bucket getter for a long time and he can still go off. But, like, it it really does change how you have to guard him if he's shooting 34 35 percent or worse from three as he has lately and him you know going five for 11 against phoenix and and hitting four threes i think in three of his last five games after doing so very infrequently um for the previous two months like it's important it's it's really big for the celtics yeah, especially with I think we've seen over the last two games teams just load up on Jason Tatum and really try to get the ball out of his hands. Uh, they're going to need some secondary scoring. It's been tough without Jalen uh, just because he's missing those two games. But I think one of the reasons we've seen Jason Tatum struggle this week, part of it, I think he was on the injury list. He had something with his ankle. I forget the fancy word they used to describe it, but some sort of ankle issue. But then there's just like a lot. He's getting a lot of attention and he's. I think making the right decisions and making a lot of passes, but just the spacing and the um, just forcing teams so they, they don't have to, like it's not all on Jason Tatum, I think will be uh, much easier for the Celtics. The other thing about Kemba that I thought was just impressive uh, from last night was his defensive ability to, or just his, uh, putting his body on the line to take some charges in Devin Booker. Uh, I think he went three for four in charges a take an attempt. There was that fun stretch where he got knocked down and there was a no call. And then immediately next time down the court, he got a charge called on Devin Booker. But I think he got Booker for three charges last night. And that led to Booker eventually fouling out of the game, which was a big win for the Celtics defense, which, you know, even when Booker was in the game, did a pretty good job of uh, containing the Suns. Yeah. I mean, Kemba, he has always been a charge taker. and. Now That's what we call the take charger. But no, it's it's charge taker. <laughs> take charger. Sure. Um he's he's a take charge type of guy. So uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um I don't think it should surprise anybody. But yeah, I mean when when he's defending like that and and especially the Booker thing, like that just took Booker out of his game. He was in foul trouble all game, couldn't really get a rhythm. Felt like he didn't make an impact at all, which is weird. He he normally torches the Celtics, I feel like. Um, But, yeah, the Celtics defense, Kemba, by the way, take charger of the year at the moment. Leading the league and take charges? Tied with Blake, Blake Griffin, Kyle Lowry, and Trez. He's the smallest guy out there. That's impressive. It's not the greatest list of defenders. (laughs) It's just guys willing to – the charge rule is just like uh, guys willing to jump in from – it's like completely sacrifice their body. Uh, It's not the greatest positional defense. But it's still – I thought the Celtics did a good job on defense. Marcus Smart, I think, has been playing really good basketball lately. He was – damn good against Dame in that Portland game and I thought was excellent uh, especially early on against Booker last night uh, and it's not surprising that the Celtics defense 
has also kind of just seemingly improved uh, as it seems like Marcus Smart has gotten uh, more comfortable and come back from injury. Yeah, Smart has been – he's taken his game to another level, taking that defense to another level. Um, kind of feels like he's at the level we're used to Marcus Smart being at, uh, where he's putting on defensive gems basically every night. And having those defensive sequences where you're like, wow, like he's guarding one of the best players in the league and not seeding anything. So I thought he really set the tone early on against Booker. Like the first couple of plays of the game, Booker was bottled up, couldn't go anywhere. Smart was right there for some tough misses. And and that just set the tone for the Celtics to to go up early and take take control of the game and and just really dominated most of the game, even though, you know, Phoenix made a couple of surges to make it eight, nine. Boston always had a response. Um, and it was normally with with the defensive uh, – started on the defensive side of the court. That defense, like, it was bad for a while, man. How bad was the Celtics defense early on this season? It was so – uncharacteristic for a Brad Stevens team and uncharacteristic for a team with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and all those guys. Obviously, they weren't all healthy most of the season. But I just feel like the Celtics defense is in such a better place right now. And and like we, we saw even, even yesterday, Celtics didn't have Fournier, didn't have Robert Williams, didn't have Jalen Brown. They were able to throw out all versatile lineups pretty much throughout the entire game. They they brought Jabari Parker off the bench as their first like, sub. First sub uh, off the bench. Obviously, he's, he's not a defensive minded guy. But it was Jabari Parker, Grant Williams, Shemi Ojale, Aaron Neesmith. Those were four of their five bench guys. They're all six, 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 seven, six, eight. Pretty athletic. And it's strong. And so the I, f- I just feel like the level of versatility, one, they've decided to play, and two, that, that like just getting healthy and, and getting some guys back and adding Parker, who's been strangely a very good addition um, so far, has just been pretty important. Obviously, Parker is not the most important piece of that defense at all. But he's no, just someone say guy, he's bad on defense. Just another guy with around that height who is pretty interchangeable. And we've talked all season long about how important it is to have those guys. And the Celtics, they're able to play more of those guys now, and especially when they're shorthanded to still be able to play some of those guys. And I think Parker, like the the kind of more subtle impact that he's made is like now you can play Grant Williams and Shemi Ojale together with pretty much an all-bench unit, and Jabari Parker can give you a little bit of offense. So so it's like he's he's really, I feel like, opened up some things for the offense that just as a finisher and a cutter and mostly like a just a garbage bucket getter, um, he has – been pretty pretty good in the three games or four games or whatever it is that he's played. 
You were you were super impressed by his six points last night. I I just think I just think he gives you like he is able to go and get easy buckets. Um and he has been able to go and get easy buckets during every game he's played for the Celtics. And I just think like he having that type of finishing in the Celtics second unit like it lets you play Grant Williams and Shemi Ojeley together. It it allows you to at least have like a baseline of what the offense is going to be when those guys are on the court and when you know Smart or Tatum is out there with with Parker like you can feel comfortable that at least your offense isn't going to go to total shit and I think that's pretty important considering some of the uh bench lineups the Celtics have thrown out there this year when they're shorthanded. I just I think it is good that he can get easy buckets. He's, he's just, whoa, that wasn't words. I think he's filling in completely for the Ennis Cantor role of all offense, no defense guy. He's also filling in for uh, Ennis Cantor player who polarizes Celtics Twitter the most because I've seen some real people who are down on Jabari's defense. It's not great. He doesn't move uh, exceptionally well. I felt like he was kind of uh, winded or kind of fatigued in that last game. He was the first guy off the bench, but I think he's a like fine for now and can play a kind of situ- situational role uh, with the Celtics. But if he's getting big minutes in the playoffs, I don't think that is a good thing. And the yeah, interest- I, I just hyped him up, but I, I don't think he'll play like a big playoff role at all. I mean, when, when Fournier's back, when Jalen's back, they're not going to need his scoring anymore. And, that means you're not going to put up with the defense. So I don't think that he'll play much of a role unless they need like a bench spark. He might. I need a crazy matchup where it might just be Jabari's time to shine. We just need him to have a good six minute stretch in like a one game to swing a playoff game. That's all you need from basically guys nine through 11 right now. Yeah. And, And to, not screw up a playoff game if you get in there. Yeah. So his his pick and roll with Jason Tatum when he caught it and went in for a dunk. Like oh, when he sealed the guy and you yeah you went on a waxing poetic about it on Twitter about how it's the greatest uh, pick and roll seal and dunk you've seen in a while. It obviously wasn't the greatest ever, but nobody else with size on the Celtics second unit who's not named Robert Williams. Could have made that play. Like Grant Williams isn't making that play. Shemi Ojale not making that play. So he just he brings something different to the Celtics. And I don't think, like you said, like the defense is a problem. <laughs> it's an obvious problem. It's it's not going to be a non-issue this season. He can keep working on it. He can get better shape. It's not going to be a non-issue. Um, but. I do think like he's he's brought to life a couple of parts of the Celtics offense that just weren't really there before he got there. And just when like Robert Williams is out and you have all these injuries, just having a guy who can come in and be physical and big and like you say, open up the rotation. Uh, I just think is uh, it's good for all the boats. The ri- the rising tide is good for all the boats. Brad also last night broke out some of his. Uh, his favorite three guard uh, wing 
and then a, a undersized big lineups. That's one of uh, Brad's mainstays. And I think just the kind of current roster construction allows Brad to do more experimentation. The thing that's interesting to me is that the Celtics have not had their top seven guys together at all this season. And I was just looking at how many minutes, um, like the, the kind of the current, the Celtics team played last year in the playoffs. And so in the playoffs, the minutes of the top guys go up. And then when you have a guy like Fournier, uh, who's going to play like 30 minutes a game, you would assume, and Tristan Thompson, who's probably going to play around 20 to 25 minutes a game. In the playoffs, that rotation shrinks so much. And so there's just not going to be that many minutes available outside of the top seven. And so, Jay, we're going to play a little game. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to go through the top seven, and you you tell me what those guys uh, are going to average minutes-wise uh, in a playoffs, and then I'll tell you how many minutes we have left for the for guys eight through ten on the roster. Cool. So how much do you think Kemba plays per minutes once the playoffs start? No more 30, back-to-backs. 38. 38. Marcus Smart. 38. 38. Jalen Brown. 40. Jason Tatum. 40. Robert Williams. 25. That was my answer as well. Evan Fournier. 35. 35? Tristan Thompson. 48 minus 25. 23. All right. I'll go with 21. 21. 21? All right. All right. You have used up 237 of the 240 minutes in the game. You have three minutes left for basically Grant, Peyton Pritchard, Romeo, or Jabari Parker. Well, I I only did – 46 minutes of center play. So I got to give two minutes to Grant or Jabari. We'll go with two two minutes for Grant. One for Jabari. For Romeo. That means no PP and no, uh, or I guess one minute of Romeo. But still, it was the point of the thought exercise is that the top seven are going to play the majority of the minutes and they're Players who've gotten big minutes this year in a lot of games when they've been losing and just their offense hasn't been there or the defense hasn't been there are not going to have a huge impact or hopefully not when it comes to the playoffs. You're just not talking about a lot of minutes for Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, uh, Romeo Langford, Jabari. Like they can be rotated in and out to kind of whatever the best matchup is, but you're going to have four of your five top wing players out there and then either Tristan Thompson or Robert Williams, I just think there's reason to be hopeful for the Celtics just because they, uh, if they can get healthy by the time playoffs, they're, they have a better and a deeper roster this year than they did last year in the playoffs with Gordon Hayward being hurt. Yeah, and I think I think that's a pretty key distinction. Um, obviously, Gordon Hayward, he was hurt last year. And he even when he played, he wasn't right. Because he was out, Brad Wanamaker had to play a much bigger role than the Celtics anticipated him playing in the postseason. As long as they're healthy, like you said, they are going to be able to lean on those five perimeter guys. And each of them, with the exception of Kemba, is versatile enough that you can play basically any combination of them at any time and just throw on minutes. and. 
Like there won't be much need for going deep into the rotation whatsoever. It it won't be like normal times when Brad Stevens is, you know, mixing and matching lineups and trying to do it's like, no, he's got his guys. They're all going to play a lot. And and that's why I think he's he's so comfortable with where they'll be in the playoffs. And when you think about it last year too, like their backup center was a big question mark in last year's playoffs. Robert Williams was like at that point very much a a question mark. Uh and he had some very good games in the playoffs, especially early on against Toronto. But he wasn't like someone Brad Stevens was thrilled about putting on the court in a big moment last year. He only played in 13 of their 17 games and averaged 11 minutes a game. Yeah, Grant Williams was like he got he played in every single game. He was what that him, Tice, Wanamaker, and the kind of top four guys were the only one who played in all 17 of their playoff games. Yeah, and so Grant at center was like a pretty normal thing. Ennis Cantor came in occasionally in the playoffs, and defense normally didn't go too well. Offense normally went better than that. But having Tristan Thompson, like that's just in a playoff setting, an upgrade over Ennis Cantor. And having Robert Williams, the way he's played, if he gets and stays healthy, like that that might be an upgrade over what Daniel Tice was giving the Celtics in the playoffs last year. So I do think their playoff rotation is better. But but I also but their top seven have never played together. That that's one point. And then I think the East is better. Like I just think there's there are, the Nets are a powerhouse. They're extremely talented. The Bucks rearranged their roster. They're a lot tougher now. They're not going to be as easy for teams to punk in the playoffs. The Sixers are they clearly rearranged everything around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Embiid is playing at a level he hadn't approached earlier in his career consistently. So the the rest of the east is is much improved the celtics will need to be better than they were last season to make a similar run yeah and i even think the the first round series whatever it ends up being is not going to be easy uh they're in a battle right now with the hawks and the knicks the knicks are on an eight game winning streak like these games coming up uh are pretty important just for seeding because if the Celtics want to make a run, I think it's pretty important they don't fall to that six seed and avoid playing one of those top three seeds in the first round. That's because I feel like expectations for the Celtics this year have have shifted. Where it's like it would be a surprise if they were. It would be shocking if they made the finals at this point. I think it'd be like a pleasant surprise if they made the Eastern Conference Finals, but. Making the second round feels like definitely something the Celtics can do. I feel like my expectation as fan is like I want them to be very scrappy in the second round and have a play it uh, close, and that's kind of where expectations have been. But if they just get lose in the first round to one of the top three seeds, it's going to be somewhat disappointing. Where do you see them, and like how do you see them in the rest of the season playing out against the? Hawks and the Knicks. The Knicks have this crazy eight-game winning streak right now, but they also have a six-game West Coast swing that starts at the start of May. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to like handicap or figure out how these teams are going to finish off, especially with 
injuries, resting guys, things like that, where it feels like it's Brad Stevens is going to pull the old uh, trick where he's like, I don't, I've never looked at the standings. Um, these things don't matter to me, but it clearly is like important for these final games. So what a race, what a race for the four seed. We got Knicks fans out there in New York bugging out, bugging out because their team is good. Finally, we got Hawks fans. No, there aren't Hawks fans. I'm sorry. I've never met an Atlanta Hawks fan. <laughs> but seriously, the the race for the four seed is is tight. And I think, you know, the teams that are in it, you know, if Boston can sneak into four or five and Miami stays out of that four or five, I think. So is, is Miami going to be in the play-in game at this rate? Whether it's New York or Atlanta, if if the Celtics get in the four or five and get one of those teams, I think they would be pretty happy about that. I think they'd be pretty favored in that too. The best thing would be if they got the five seed because I don't think home court advantage really is a thing. Although the Garden home court advantage is definitely a thing. You have you seen those Knicks fans celebrating their their winning streak? Home court advantage is a thing. I was also been in the garden a couple times when there's just 2,500 people there, and it just doesn't seem like a – I know there's a lot of spice and a lot of energy in the building when uh, Aaron Neesmith hit that three at the end of the first See? half last night, but I just feel like it's going to be less of an advantage uh, this season. Maybe, I, but when it gets loud, it, it can still get loud. and And during the playoffs, it's just – louder more frequently i mean the celtics did throw up the noise meter there in td garden um which is fraudulent exercise it is it's always been fake and it's upsetting that they would lie to the people like that but the knicks like people always say uh nba is better when the knicks are good like everything's better when the knicks have a good team and i how do we know i just don't believe that like it's been crazy how Just do we know the NBA is better? Because the Knicks never good. The Knicks are well, – that's one. That's a very good point. Two, is it better? Like, Twitter has been going – like, this has been Knicks week on NBA Twitter where everyone's just lauding the Knicks for their eight-game win streak. Every podcast – national podcast is talking about the Knicks. It's like, is this is this good for discourse? Does anyone really care about another uh, – Julius Randle's playing well. He has continued to play well. Like, I just – they're still a five seed. They're not going – I don't understand why I we're going crazy. No, I, I actually – I, I was making jokes earlier, but I actually think it's fun. I mean – I mean, how many times do I have to see Jerry Ferrara on a podcast talking about how cool the, it is that the Knicks are good again? As many times as as he wants to go on a podcast <laughs> because he's fucking turtle, man. Uh, you are such an entourage guy. He's fucking turtle. How, how could you disrespect or insult – Turtle. That's His just, little character. The, the point of that character was that he was just is supposed to be disrespected. He was just a hanger on. What do you mean? How do I disrespect Turtle? He was valuable, bro. Do you do you remember when they, they were giving him shit? And then bam, he ordered the pizzas from from New York. Oh, New York pizzas. Oh, he and then a, and then the Knicks were good again. Part of that crew, as you should know. You, oh, you well, need a locker about John room Starks. Guy. Yeah, every team needs a locker room guy. All right, <laughs> doesn't mean I want to hear from the locker room guy on the low post or something like that. 
I, I'm just saying the the Knicks being good, it's fun. Like the Jeremy Lin thing was incredible. You gotta you gotta admit, like that was just the the most random electric thing in recent NBA history that went on for weeks. Um when Carmelo was good, the Knicks were were fun. They were dressing up for the Celtics funeral and then losing to the Celtics. But they were the initiators of the funeral game as far as I'm aware. I think they were the first ones I can remember doing it. Yeah. So, and now it, I just feel like it's a it's a fun story. Like Julius Randle was never very good, and now he's an all-star and scoring 30-plus points per game every single night. The Knicks have been just a bad, bad team for years. Tom Thibodeau arrives, and they take on his mentality, and now they're locking teams up and being competitive as hell and stacking up wins. So I just personally, I don't. I'm a Knicks guy. I'm a Knicks guy this year. I don't care for it. I just don't care for the hype around that comes with the Knicks winning. I like Julius Randle. They play crazy good defense. I like Emmanuel quickly, but I just, the, the, the noise that comes with the Knicks being good is just, uh, it's overwhelming at time. And it feels like, especially so when they're on an eight game winning streak. Uh, do you have any MVP thoughts? Is there any way I can call you a jackass uh, like Tim Bontemps did Brian Windhorst? <laughs> what an amazing podcast moment. That was just visceral. It was. And this is coming from a guy I'm in you who I'm sure Tim Bontemps has called a jackass a number of times. Oh, yeah. I've been called. <laughs> you, you've I've been on the receiving been. end of a Bontemps uh I have heard that side of Bontemps directed at me several times. To hear it on a national ESPN podcast was just chef's kiss. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever listened to. I, I listened to it like, <laughs> like 15 times. When they were going back and forth about what, – what was the word they used? Obtuse. About who was more obtuse. <laughs> I just played it back so many times. And I was just la- like all out belly laughing to myself while in the car listening to that podcast. One of the more glorious things I've ever heard. And those guys are friends. That's what's great about it. Like they are close friends. They talk to each other all the time. Condemns was genuinely upset and frustrated about they, how they were both very clearly just pissed all the way off. Oh man, what a what a moment! What a world! Do you have any thoughts on the MVP race, or, or which one was being more obtuse? I mean, I think the idea of it now, and I've seen a lot of Sixers fans talking about like. It's not an attendance contest. Nikola Jokic shouldn't get credit for just playing every game. Nikola Jokic has just been better. (laughs) Speak. Go off. So it's not an attendance contest. That's true. But Jokic has been there more often, and he's been playing better. So And Nikola Jokic isn't playing with someone who's supposed to be the defensive player of the year. Like, how can Joel Embiid Joel Embiid be the most valuable player when he's not even the best defender on his team 
Well, he and might he be the has, best defender on his team, even though Ben Simmons is, is might calling be, for DPOY. But if he has the luxury of having the alleged DPOY on his team, how can he be the most valuable? Who is the best player Jokic is, uh, plays with? It's Jamal Murray. He's been hurt and will be hurt for the rest of the season. It's just a wild argument to me. It's not about – you're right. You're damn right, Jay King. It's not about attendance. Jokic has just been better. Um and I don't think it's like a huge gap. Like obviously, Embiid has no, had a ridiculous Embiid's season. Been fucking awesome this entire year. But I, but, but Jokic, I just feel like has has made more of an impact, and that's that's it for me. Who do you think is the MVP most ballinest player? Shout out to Jermaine Dupree. <laughs> Steph Curry. Steph it has Curry. to be Steph Curry. Got to be Steph Curry. I think the NBA should really award the the Jermaine Dupree MVP award every year. Steph Curry has to get some credit for just the dynamic run he's been on. I think it's insane that for him to be considered an actual MVP because I think winning is important. I'm not one of those guys who is supporting the the Russ MVP year, but most ex, most ballinest player, most exciting guy, guy who goes on a like coolest run, best offensive player. Uh, give it to Steph Curry. I think that's all. Uh, He's just been cool recently. He's been spooky good, man. Like just, just ridiculous doing shit. He really has, but it's been like that that Kobe year when he was with Smush Parker, where it was like you didn't want to watch the rest of the Lakers team at all, not even remotely close. But you wanted to watch Kobe, and now it's Steph, and obviously he gets his points differently, but similar feel where it's like you got to watch, and he's gonna drag that team to some wins but not all the wins and he's gonna do special special things night in night out and it, being on a bad team isn't going to stop him from reaching deep into his competitive soul and dragging out insane performances this is why the play in tournament is cool because do you want to go up against steph curry in a one game playoff like, say he somehow gets to play the Mavericks, and it's like the Mavericks are playing for their playoff lives against Steph Curry in one game. That's just electric basketball. It's going to be it's going to be exciting, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, I it's going to be that. awesome when, like, the Pacers and Wizards are playing, too, and then the Hornets. Yeah, and Bradley Beal does cool things. I, I, I'm such a – I hate when uh, basketball has raised stakes. That's no fun. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> Some teams don't, don't deserve – Playoff, playoff yeah, hopes. We know, we know your party line on that. Um, before we get to the potable six pack, we do have to talk about some incredibly sad news in the basketball world and the Boston basketball world. That was uh, the news that Terrence Clark, Kentucky freshman and Roxbury native, uh, passed away in a car accident. It's just, just sad, tragic. Um, I've just been reading a bunch of articles about uh, him over the past two days. And uh, it just seems like a super humble and ambitious kid who is three months away from hopefully entering the NBA draft. And it's just, it's just sad. It's, there's, it's no other way to really describe it. It's just horrible news for us just to lose someone that young. Yeah. And like he was from a young age, probably the best Boston prospect ever 
at least like one of the very best in the history of the city. And when he was, I can remember, like, I don't think there's ever been a, I think he was a top 10 recruit, or I think he got to top seven recruit coming out of high school. Yeah. And when he was, when he was a freshman, he played for my best friend, uh, was his assistant coach. And so I went to a few games and it was just like, you looked at him and it was like, holy shit, that kid is talented. And that, at that point, he was coming off the bench sometimes. Like he was a top five recruit, but still coming off the bench sometimes. They're they're a really good team. Um, but it was like you looked at him and you were like, that kid has tools to be just absolutely amazing. And and you just wanted to see what he would develop into over the years, you know. And so it's it's just so sad. He he touched a lot of people in Boston, um, like. I mean, you you know what it's like. Like, anytime you're from the city, and even even if like a a kid isn't going to go to Kentucky or or and it's just going to go to like some lower tier Division One school, like everyone gets on board with those hopes and those dreams and kind of follows that guy forever. And he went to Kentucky. He was going to be an NBA draft pick. He was about to make life-changing money and it's just fucking tears you up man that that all that was taken away and i think jalen brown put it in an instagram post like i think he said like what makes him saddest is that the world didn't get to see terrence's potential and that, i i swear like that kid as a freshman in high school i looked at him and i was like he's coming off the bench right now but he's going to be an nba player and you kind of knew that about him, even at that age. And it was, he had a chance to be special. And that's just really sad. And obviously, he was friends with Tatum. He was friends with Brown. They worked out. Jalen on Instagram called him his little bro. Um, and it seemed like, you know, he he was putting in a lot of work to to try to reach that potential. And so, just fucking... That was heart wrenching, because it was a guy from Boston. Because it's a guy with so much talent. Because it's a guy that I think everybody kind of knew about and paid attention to for years in this area. It's it just really really hit home. And yeah, like so. I know I know some Celtics people around the Celtics were just crushed and gutted by the news um, because they. Even even the Celtics, like they recognize the kid from the city who's who's got a chance to to be incredible, and like even the Celtics were invested in in his success, and so like that's that's how much he accomplished during his way too short life, and he has so much more. Just fucking sucks, man. Yeah, it's just. It's incredibly sad news. So you saw Brad Stevens not even really have post game press conferences because he was hearing the news for the first time. It's just, yeah, I heard about him like I think three or four years ago. Just uh, different beat reporters talking about that going to the tournaments and stuff out in Springfield. It's like there's this kid from Roxbury. Where did he go? Rivers. Yeah, he went to Rivers at first and then transferred to Brewster. Yeah, and so he 
it would be at Celtics games uh, a number of times. Uh, working out with Jalen and Jason, I think it's just uh, it was cool to hear about then. And it just feels like it's an incredibly sad uh, tragedy right now. And so condolences to him and his family and his friends and BJ Boston, who's uh, he went to Kentucky with and is apparently there. Uh, it's just incredibly sad moment for for basketball um truly gutting like absolutely gutting i i like there's there's not much to compare it to really like just an extreme example of right before you know the nba draft season and all of that right before one day after he signed with an agency with lebron james's agency you know like that stuff kids dream about and he had so much more so many so many more dreams to achieve and unlock and fuck yeah chad finn uh boston globe media reporter suggests the idea of the, the celtics still drafting him so they still hear his name called as like an honorary 31st pick or something like that in the nba draft i think that would be a cool move in a way to kind of respect the uh, his potential and kind of uh, just pay homage that he worked so hard to get there. It's just tragic news. Yeah, and Jalen said he hopes that they'll call his name too. So hopefully the NBA will figure out something to kind of honor him at the draft. And it won't be enough, but at least it'll be something. All right, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back with the potable six-pack. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, we're finishing out the show with the world-famous potable six-pack. It's going to be the top six things that were most interesting to Jay and I since we last recorded a podcast, which was a couple days ago. Only really the Suns game has happened. Jay, I will give you the first pick in the world-famous potable six-pack. I wasn't prepared for the first pick. I always get the first pick. Yeah, and how are you not prepared for it? Then I wasn't prepared. Um, do you do you? How many times have you done a any prep work for a potable six pack? If when we go after games, I have a full list of things that I intend to pick. I I always make us a, a, a list of six things. When we go in the mornings, you don't have you don't keep that notes column. I fucking nothing, man. So now I'm just trying to rack my brain. Let me go go back through the notes. Um, okay, okay. I've got Chris Paul teaching Romeo Langford some lessons. There, there was just one play, and it it wasn't it wasn't really much of a highlight. It wasn't, but it was like Chris Paul spun Romeo Langford around, and Romeo was just like boss. And normally he's a very solid positional defender and then later in the possession paul got him off his feet and scored a bucket and it was like wow okay he got him good he had he sent romeo flying on an up fake yeah and and it was just like the whole sequence just like okay you're dealing with a master romeo and like i said very normally very defensively sound but but i just enjoyed that sequence because chris paul is special and I wouldn't want to guard. Yeah, no, I. he also taught some lessons to Aaron Neesmith where he got him on a rip through and then immediately – I couldn't see what he was saying from my vantage point on the ninth floor, but it felt like he's like immediately teaching him. Like, you can't do that. It's just like immediately just going into teacher mode after grifting the guy into – I don't think it was a foul shot. So I think it was I would, I would slap a man if he started <laughs> doing that to me. If he drew the grift on you and then immediately was like, can't be doing that, son. Yeah, um, I'm also going to go with a uh, CP3 uh, moment from that game. Final moments of the game, he's trying to dribble around, and I believe he tried to throw the ball through Grant Williams' legs. Like, it was that a, the the? Did I see that with my own eyes? I didn't really see people tweeting about it, but he tried to meg Grant Williams, and I pretty just threw it off his leg. But wild ambition to do that in the final 30 seconds. Yeah, and poor Grant. Tends to get hit in the nuts. I feel like it, <laughs> I feel like it, it had been a little while since the Celtics had gotten hit in the nuts. There was a stretch where well, once playoffs, Tice left, it was like they who who are you going to hit? Yeah, but I feel like there was a stretch when it was like every game they were just getting getting wrecked. Has, hasn't been like that lately, but Grant took one took one where you don't want to take one. Uh, and my second moment from 
last night has got to be, I, I mentioned it earlier in the pod, but Kemba, I think is the, it was when he's on his run at the second quarter, he was doing some fancy, fancy dribbling, fancy passing, uh, knocking down shots. But first time down the court, he gets knocked down by Booker. It's a no call. And then the next time it's kind of a similar play. He draws the charge and then does a Kemba flex from the floor. Uh, I just thought that was a, a fun moment from small Kemba Walker, just showing his defensive prowess with uh, flexing after a charge. Uh, and it was a, got a tough night for Devin Booker to have uh, foul out on four charges. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of charges. One time when I was in high school, um, the best player on my team was just an absolute physical force. He got five charges, fouled out on all five charges, and then we had to wear mouth guards. That year, it was like the MIAA randomly decided all basketball players had to wear mouth guards. Naturally. And, and so he took his mouth guard out and threw it into the stands after the last charge and, <laughs> and got a tech. So he had six personal fouls. Five of which were charges, and one was a technical. It was it was incredible. We still won by twenty. Salute to me. I had many threes in that game. Um, but what else? I'll go with. I got to start doing more preparation for these, don't I? Did you get your um, Marcus Smart? Uh, bobblehead last night. The, the 2018-19 bobbleheads that they randomly decided to give out. Again, last night. They're 2019-2020, it says oh, on the 2020, box. 2019-2020. So, well, those, they, so they, they couldn't hand been, them out last year. They must have been scheduled to come out after the league shut down. That is uh, – yeah, is, I, got, I, I got one. Well, I would say hold on to it, buddy, because you talk about NFTs and, like, scarcity of things. This is a this is a token right here. This is going to be valuable. I'm I'm starting the Marcus Smart based economy, and it, if you have one of these bad boys, keep it in its packaging because I think it's gonna it's really gonna rise in value over the years. The the 2020, uh, you know, like cards get more valuable when it's like misprinted or anything like this. That these say 2019 2020 handed out in 2021 really doesn't look anything like Marcus Smart, but the Marcus Smart token based economy. Uh, is going to the moon. Mark my words. I, I have no doubts. I trust in Sam Packard. Thank you. <laughs> I, I was really... mostly just filling in because you clearly don't have a, a second and third uh, pick for the potable six pack. I got, I got fucking nothing, man. Um, it wasn't a fun game. Like it was not an exciting game. There was very little that happened of note yeah low scoring game uh what does deandre ayton do is a question i oh, still oh, don't have oh, a question i got it, I got it. <laughs> there we go tristan thompson telling tory craig yeah buddy. He was ass or he was trash um that was a great moment because i have been someone who used to argue that tory craig should never play minutes <laughs> And I've when, long argued that he is he, when he was in When he was in Denver, I used to regularly text one of my buddies when Torrey Craig was playing minutes and just say, 
the only thing he does of use is that he doesn't try to do anything. Like that that's literally why he's on a basketball court is because he doesn't try to do anything. And he's not gonna make mistakes. Um he's fine defensively. But yeah, so I, I was arguing Tristan's side of that for years. It's so, just nice to see your arguments make it into the public uh discourse. So salute to me, salute to Tristan. It it's too infrequent now that the Celtics have beef. So Seeing them have a little bit of beef, even if it didn't last very long, was fantastic. Um, and then Aaron Neesmith's moment at the end of this first half. I'm trying to just look at my notes for anything else that happened in this game. There was a yeah. cool play where Marcus Smart like caught the ball off a dribble handoff and was just flying towards the basket and had a nice one-handed pass to Peyton Pritchard in the corner. But these are low threshold things to try to make the potable six pack. Yeah, these don't deserve potable six pack. But you know what? Okay. I'm, I'm going to go with a post game interaction between Jay Crowder and the Celtics. It was there was a lot of joy there. Who's still on the team? Who's from the Jay Crowder? Jalen and Smart? Marcus Smart was there on the team, um, and he must know the other guys through the circuit or whatever, but Jason Tatum had a nice moment with Jay Crowder for whatever reason. I just enjoy it. I, I don't know. Sometimes it's little things. You've been really big on the um, post-game moments recently. See, when I go to the games, I leave immediately after the tip uh, or at the end of the game. So, But I'm glad you're there to capture all the post-game moments. For my final pick in the potable six-pack, it's actually going to be something that happened while I was heading to the game. At one point, I uh, I was on the train. I took off my headphones for a bit, and I just heard two guys next to me really talking themselves into the Celtics matchup against the Nets. And they're like, Celtics are pretty much the perfect team to be out there. You can throw Tatum on uh, Durant, Jalen on Harden, Marcus Smart on Kyrie. Uh, and they were just like really – being like, that's a, I don't know about that. That's a tough matchup. Like, if anyone can do it, and I just love the blatant homerism, especially that I overheard it on the green line heading to the game. It just really, like, it made you feel like Celtics basketball is back. Just irrational confidence, the green line, everything was coming together. Uh, it was fantastic. I've always said Evan Fournier is a Kevin Durant stopper. You have long said this. Yeah, and you've long said that Tory Craig is trash, and it just seems like things are coming true. And so, maybe with the I, Celtics, I really, I really hope he doesn't end up on the Celtics after I said that. <laughs> and then like, you have to talk to him in the locker room. Yeah, just Tory. Just so you know, like I've long said that you've been trash, but I'm happy I, I to agreed with Tristan Thompson. Let's just put it that <laughs> way, Tory. All right, Celtics will play the Nets tonight and the Hornets on Sunday. We'll be back to you next week to break it all down and. Uh, update you on whatever's happening with the Celtics or the rest of the Eastern Conference. If you enjoy the show, please rate it five stars, tell a friend, leave a review, uh, all of those good things. And thank you for listening to this episode of Anything is Possible! 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.